Keep it simple. Number one, are you doing your best? Two, are you learning something? And three, are you having fun doing it? Welcome to Playmakers. I'm your host, Paul Epstein, 15-year NFL and NBA business exec and best-selling author of The Power of Playing Offense. In my journey, I have discovered that there are two types of people in this world. The difference between elite performers and the rest of the pack, or what I like to call those that play offense versus those that play defense. Defense always on their heels, offense on our toes. Defense playing not to lose, offense playing to win. Defense, the market dictates the terms. Offense, we operate on our terms. Playing with purpose, playing with passion, and taking control of our future. So now, the question is, how do you want to play? And here on the Playmakers Podcast, we play offense 10 out of 10 times. As we ramp up toward today's episode, pull out your notepad so you can capture all the action so we can make plays and level up together. Playmakers, it's about that time to welcome David Meltzer into the conversation. David is a co-founder of Sports One Marketing and formerly served as CEO of the renowned Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency, which was the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire. He's been recognized by Variety Magazine as their Sports Humanitarian of the Year and awarded the Ellis Island Medal of Honor. He is also the executive producer of the Bloomberg and Amazon Prime television series, Two Minute Drill and Office Hours. My absolute favorite piece on David is that he is on a mission to empower over 1 billion people to be happy. I hope you're as fired up for the conversation as I am. And as a reminder, many of the key takeaways of today's show can be found in the show notes on PlaymakersPod.com. With that, let's welcome David Meltzer into the Playmakers Podcast. David, welcome to Playmakers. How are we doing? I can't think of a better place to be than with the Playmaker himself. Thanks for inviting me. (laughs) Well, humbled and honored, my friend. And it's just been a fascinating journey. I know you and I uh, just locking arms in spirit, kindred spirit, sports industry, business execs, all that great stuff. And here on Playmakers, as you know, we're all about leveling up. So we definitely want to tap into your mind there. And also just send an appreciative thanks for your testimonial and endorsement and commitment of the book, The Power of Playing Offense, because it comes from a shared mission. And that's where I want to kick us off. So if the mission for you is to empower over 1 billion people to become more happy and fulfilled in life, talk to us about happiness. Like what inspired you to create that mission? Well, you know, that inspiration came from a long understanding of purpose for me. And when I realized that my thoughts about my purpose were my purpose, and that's why I endorse your book so much. And, you know, the testimonial self will say so that, you know, in order for you to create a collective consciousness, this belief of happiness, it's not, it's not alone, right? We're all connected. And, you know, your book specifically to me, 
represents my idea of empowerment and the exponential value in the viral nature of happiness, meaning that if you know any of the things that I've said or videos you've watched or books that I've read have influenced or empowered you, you now become one of my 1,000. And through your book, you'll empower another 1,000 to empower another thousand. Well, a thousand Paul Epstein's, right? A thousand times a thousand times a thousand's over a billion people. And that collective consciousness of happiness is to teach people how do we enjoy, how do we enjoy the consistent every day? First of all, how can you enjoy doing something every day? Two, how do you enjoy being persistent, you know, not quitting? Because usually if there is a tendency to quit or a uh, 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 impetus to quit. And we see here that in the Olympics here with Simone, uh, et cetera, is there's pain and see, you know, one of the disappointing things, I think everyone should take care of their mental health is that I, it, it's not the Olympics in her quitting today, but the problem is how do we have our best athletes in the world in the greatest nation in the world, not have the help and preparation and mindset so that when they get on the biggest stage, they don't have any mental issues, right? There's nothing that they've already taken care of that, that they're prepared uh, for that. And there's a big void right now that obviously somebody treated her uh, incorrectly to prepare her that, you know, they should have been empowering her with the enjoyment of the consistent every day, persistent without quit, what? pursuit of her potential not what the fans want not what the united states wants not what the competitors wants but what simone wants and if you understand happiness it's those people that are able to learn to enjoy that process and there's so many nuances that come into play there from values to daily practices to a variety of philosophies like you have in your book and i put in mine that allow people to seek love light and lessons and everything which is truly for me why gratitude forgiveness accountability and inspiration are so important in that mindset and heart set and then you need daily practices to have a pragmatic blend and bend of time to execute on these philosophical theoretical spiritual utopic ideas absolutely david so let's double click on that so if the macro if the north star that we're after is the eternal happiness that that deep joy that fulfillment like i know you and i we talk about success versus significance and it's all around the world for sure but especially in the u.s man we are wired to chase success and yet if success is serving self significance is serving others what i have found and i'm sure you'd agree with this because i'm just so in depth with your work is i know many successful people that don't feel significance. And yet, I don't know a single person that feels significance and is not successful. So when you really kind of volley back and forth, should we be chasing success? Or is it significance that we're really after? What are your thoughts on that? Well, in the context of significance is achievement. And so you're going to be successful if you have that perspective uh, of significance, meaning that you have elevated others to elevate yourself. And within the context of elevating others, you have to have faith that it will elevate yourself. It's why, you know, so much of my life has been around celebrity 
And I've learned so many lessons about celebrity. I've always been Lee Steinberg's guy, Warren Moon's partner, you know, so-and-so's agent, whatever I was. But what I realized through that uh, journey of mine is I learned the value of significance of elevating others to elevate myself. And here I am the last four years building a brand, one in which, you know, that I've moved from being as my son, the 11 year old said, dad, you moved from being a D celebrity to a C celebrity. Now with the TV shows and the podcast, I'm a B celebrity, but I tell him every time I'm not a celebrity. I'm a celebrant. See, celebrants are significant. And I look for the light, the love and the lessons to elevate others, empower others, uh, regardless of their stature. See, even if I am only planting seeds under trees that I'll never sit under. And as you get older and older, one of the blessings is every once in a while, there becomes a tree from a seed 20 years ago that you don't even know you planted. Somebody heard you speak or read a book or, or listened or somebody else taught them what you said. And now because of social media, the spread of, of this viral happiness, this empowerment virus that I try to share with everyone to make everyone happy, I don't know where it goes. I don't know what I'm planting. And I think significance and being a celebrant are closely tied and significance stems from elevating others to elevate yourself. Yeah, no, I love that. So let's go back to something you said a few minutes ago, and this is less about celebrity in the Hollywood sense, but let's just say that you've been around what all humbly call a lot of household names, and we'll just leave it at that. So I even think about your podcast. I think about The Playbook, and I mean, uh, in no particular order, but I recently even heard, all right, so you've got Gary Vee, you've got um, uh, Tillman Fertitta, you know, you've got all these amazing folks. I heard the one with Tony Hawk as well. So if you could say, what's the through line? Like, let's talk about those that have that internal significance that you just described. What's the through line on what they are consistently doing that all playmakers listening in can apply to their lives? Well, first of all, from billionaires to millionaires to entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, and entertainers at the highest level have one thing in common. Inherently, they have a desire that they must be what they can be. And this desire is the common thread of all the greats that, you know, I can't even list over what, 860 on the playbook, 2000 on office yeah. hours, you know, and, and these are every industry, you know, wh whether it's the chief marketing officer, at YouTuber, you know, names, like I was just with Sincadura Singh Cassidy, president of StubHub who exited for 4.5 billion, right? And I'm sitting here going, here, here is an Indian woman, a Sikh, uh, who, you know, exited 4.5 billion in a sports company, you know, in America. And I said, wow, this is the best company. But I was trying to get to what is it that's common about her and Ray Lewis, Tony Hawk, Gary Vee, you know, Arthur Blank, you know, Home Depot's founder, <laughs> like all these amazing people that I'm black, Katie Couric, right? I'm talking every industry. And it just struck me when she was young, 10 years old, she had a desire that she must be what she can be. She didn't know what she'd end up being the StubHub seat president, you know, but she did know that she would ex explore and pursue her best. And I have a, a thing I tell people all the time, keep it simple. Number one, are you doing your best? Two, are you learning something? And three, are you having fun doing it? 
Um, and if you can answer all three of those questions, you will have significance, you will have success, you will be happy. And in essence, for me, you will make a lot of money, you will help a lot of people, and you will have a lot of fun in your life. You'll be happy. And you know, this lady started a new company called Boardlist to create equity on big company boards, you know, people of color, women, whoever, so that we have more equity in boards and C-level executives. She's now giving back with all that she's succeeded in significance. And that's just gonna bring more significance to her. Bingo. Yeah. And like you said, I think those are those legacy pieces. That's something where I I used to think of legacy as something that was so far out or, hey, I'll worry about it when I'm older per se. But now I realize if you can almost reverse engineer, how do you want to be remembered? What's the impact I'm trying to create? What is my personal intrinsic mission and purpose? And how can I take actionable steps every day so that the end story is what I eventually want to be amplified long after our physical days? So that's kind of where I want to go next is let's take a look in the rear view mirror because your story is fascinating. There have been many hard left turns, many uh, you've been humble enough to talk about your do overs. But hey, we, we learn, right? You and I don't think about it as failure. We just look at it as an opportunity to learn, right? Either that or it turns out to be a success. Great. I actually see it as, propell- as a propellant, meaning, you know, a lot of people see mistakes, failures, setbacks and pain as a punishment. Uh, you know, or, or stop sign. Not for me. I, I every time I've experienced it, it propels me to a better place, a better situation. And that's where faith really comes into my life. As we take a short break from today's interview, I'd like to share a quick reminder to check out the episode show notes on playmakerspod.com, where you will find a treasure trove of key insights, thought starters, and additional resources from today's conversation. Also, a quick shout out to our show sponsor, Audible, who is offering each and every playmaker a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial when you visit audible.playmakerspod.com. With that, let's get back to the conversation. It's time to level up. So let's talk about that then because you just repositioned it as a propellant. So if I was to ask you what most might think of, if they've heard your life story and say, that sounds like a valley, that sounds like one of those things that most people don't get up off the mat from, what's that deepest point that maybe gave you that biggest propellant in your words? So kind of what others see as a rock bottom, but you're like, hell no, that's what led to the biggest propellant. Talk to us about that moment and how you were resilient enough to essentially grow from it. Yeah. So for me, two years before I lost over a hundred million dollars and went bankrupt, uh, was a private bottom. Uh, now publicly losing over a hundred million dollars and going bankrupt, uh, is, is a rock bottom, but nobody knows that my bottom had a basement two years earlier because that basement, um, and I get choked up talking about it had to do with me, uh, Believe, uh, me being great, grateful for giving an accountable for where I was, meaning I, I had millions of dollars, but not only was I a multimillionaire at 38 years old, but I had access to everything and everyone. So it's one thing to be rich, but one of the superpowers in my life is that because I ran Lee Steinberg, because I was CEO of sports one marketing with Warren moon, 
I had access to things that nobody could get. The sidelines of the Super Bowl, you know, the Pro Bowl, the Masters, the Kentucky Derby, the Breeders' Cup, the ESPYs, Emmys, Oscars, Grammys, the, you know, golf tournaments and clubs that nobody could get into. And so here I was, a person who grew up with nothing, a single mom who raised six kids to believe in being kind, to giving back, to being educated. And I had almost two years before I lost over a hundred million dollars, I almost threw it all away and literally probably would have ended up dead. But for right, my wife, you know, telling me the truth. You know, there's a book by Stephen Hertz, be careful, uh, you know, don't take yes for an answer. And you see this in sports all the time. You see it in business as a CEO. Everybody's telling you yes, 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 yes. That's what happened to me since I was 24. I was a millionaire at 24. Everyone in my life, from my mom to girls to my relatives to my friends, yes, yes, because they wanted something. Um, And my wife told me no. She told me at the top, when everyone, you know, I'm running Lee Steinberg. I live in a dream house. I have a golf course, a ski mountain, 33 homes. I could buy whatever I want and have access to anything I wanted in the world, not just in the United States. And my wife said, hey, man, I'm leaving. You are a piece of crap. I'm leaving. And you better take stock in who you are and what you want to become because you're going to end up dead. And wow, that to me was my basement because I almost blew it even then. I sat in my room the next morning. I, when my wife told me that, I told her to F off. Like, who, who do you think you're talking to? Look around you. How dare you even, how dare you even say that you're not happy and I'm the piece of shit? Are you kidding me? How dare you? And I, I woke up the next morning thinking, I'm going to take her happiness. I'm going to take her money. How dare, you know, all ego. And then, as most people know my story, I looked over in the closet. My father, when I was 30, gave me a jacket with no pockets he tried to teach me the lesson that you can't take anything with you when you're gone, that, you know, money doesn't buy love and happiness. And here's a jacket to remind you every day. It has no pockets that you're not here to buy things you don't need to impress people you don't like. Money does not buy happiness. And but for me looking at that jacket and breaking down and thinking when I saw it for the first time in years, I don't hate my wife. I don't hate my father. I hate myself and I had to find out the hard way that I give meaning to everything I see and I can't find anything outside of me that I can't find inside of me and I had to reconstruct what made me me and then utilize that and that propelled me so far forward that it actually propelled me to a point two years later when I lost everything, it had no effect on me. In fact, it had such little effect on me when I went bankrupt that my wife was scared because I had no fear. I I had such clarity and confidence by that time because I started living with my values and daily practices. The only, you know, fear I had was, you know, when I realized in bankruptcy, and you can imagine this, only reason when I was five years old, I started wanting to be rich and I wanted to be rich was to buy my mom a house and a car. Only time I wasn't happy as a child with six kids was when my mom had financial stress. And if I, like... That's all I wanted. So when I went bankrupt, I had to go tell my mom I lost everything, but I did not take my mom's house out of my name. So I had to tell her I lost everything and she had to move because I lost her house. When I said everything, it was everything. And 
that's where for me, the only moment of that realization of where I was. And of course there was a lesson in that because I thought my mom would be destroyed. I thought money had played a big impact on my relationship with my mom. And you know what? My mom got upset a lot about sometimes little things like Jewish moms can get upset about. Um, (laughs) But she didn't even blink when I told her she had to move. She, She only was concerned with one thing. Was I okay? Was I okay? Did I need any money? I still can't believe that's all she said. Not a tear in her, I was bawling, right? I still get choked up. Without a tear in her mind, she was like, are, are you okay? What, what, can I give you some money? I'm like, no, mom, you gotta move. Are you okay? Right? And I said to myself, man, I have a journey. I have some lessons, some lessons I still have to learn. And I understand why my wife and my mom, even through the heyday of multi-millions of dollars, would tell me I was lost, right? That these things don't matter, that I need to really take stock in who I was. And to me, to this day, that propelled me to who I am. And I've taken stock in those things that I am, gratitude, forgiving, accountable, inspired. I take daily practices. I'm probably one of the most consistent, disciplined people with the desire that I must be what I can be. In other words, a inspirer, a celebrant, an empowerer of happiness. Yeah. Well, for one, uh, on behalf of every playmaker out there listening. And thank you for sharing at that level of depth. And I've heard you share, but every time I hear something new and unique, and I like you, you I've heard you call yourself a mama's boy. And so I, I knew where a lot of these uh, things came from. And it's no shock to see why your life mission has become what it is. And I know that your story's far from done. What's really fascinating, and I'll lob the last question toward you after a quick riff, is I always ask people, what inspires them. And I try to drill it down into one word. And the beauty is, not sure if you're familiar, but the Latin definition of inspire is to breathe life into. So when folks get too foggy about, oh, what inspires me? I say, what breathes life into you? And come back to one word. What's interesting is my word, and then I'm gonna ask you for yours, is courage. And the reason my word is courage is because of my mom. Because when I was 19 years old, I lost my dad and I'm an only child. So instantly, man of the house. Instantly, she went from parent to partner. And I saw how she showed up the day he passed. And then the next day and the next day and the next day. And it kept going. And I almost felt like she was just building more strength and resilience. And it inspired me. It showed me what that internal fortitude was. And so now, fast forward decades later, and people think I'm this massive risk taker. And I just take these Jerry Maguire leaps and I left sports. Who does that? Oh, you start your own company. You do this, you do that. I'm like, brother, you don't even know. Like, it's all because of mom. Like, literally, she's the one that fired me up. She gave me that internal confidence to show me how you can fight through life when sometimes the deck is stacked against you. So now if I was to ask you a closing question, a word that inspires you and why? Yeah, kindness. Um, I can't say it without feeling it. So kindness is breathing life into me, meaning it encompasses the idea of living in a world of more than enough. If you're kind, you understand that life comes through you for everyone else. 
See, you are vulnerable and invulnerable at the same time. You are an abundant person living between limitlessness and infinity. When you are kind, when you are kind, you are putting everyone else before you. You are so confident and clear in your existence of breathing life through you for others that everything comes through you with appreciation. Your own purpose is to add value to everything you receive and give it away. Once you give it away, it's yours because you are reaffirming, recollecting, and reminding the oneness with kindness. When we are kind, It is an amazing superpower. It tells us we are not victims. Nothing is happening to you. We, nothing's happening for you. There's not some individual uh, success that occurs that this is all for me. And this is where people buy things they don't need to impress people they don't like. They separate themselves in ego-based consciousness. Kindness encompasses abundance. If you want to live in the world of more than enough, more than enough of everything for everyone, between limitlessness and infinity, if you want to recognize, acknowledge, acquire the knowledge, remind, remember, All of these words, what does it mean? One, when we remember, remind, recollect, that means it's all coming together. It comes together when you execute your belief of oneness, when you execute your belief in a higher source of love, light, and lessons by simply being kind. To me, kindness is the superpower. It encompasses courage. It encompasses humility, forgiveness, and accountability, and gratitude all in one. I, my favorite quote ever was given to me by Lee Steinberg, the man they made the movie Jerry Maguire about. He told me, David, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. And so I've lived my life to be kind to my future self. Kindness is a superpower that I want to instill and empower in all people that I meet. Ah, so beautiful. So for every playmaker out there, that is a mic drop and a half. Be kind, lead with kindness. It is at your fingertips every single day, just like we always talk about leadership. Before we lead others, we must first lead ourselves. You don't need a title or a rank or authority to lead yourself. And so if you can lead with kindness, that's how you can create massive impact and make more plays in the world. Thank you, David. Where can we, look, you are impossible, you're impossible not to find, but if we had to say, where can we find you? Where can we follow you? For anybody that is not subscribed to everything that you're doing, how can we tap further into your world? The best way, if you can email me, I will send you my templated daily practices, referral agreements. I will sign a book, send it to you, pay for shipping. I pay for everything. David at dmeltzer.com. David at at dmeltzer.com. Reach out to me personally. If not, Google me and you can pick 16 other ways to find me. Uh, But David at dmeltzer.com. I like to have an intimate relationship. I am of service my entire life. My name means beloved servant and that's how I live it. Mm. Well, thank you so much, David. Please, every playmaker, take him up on his offer because it is 100% from his heart and from his soul. He means it just like he was abundant and gave me an opportunity to meet me at the 50 and partner. This conversation is just a byproduct of that and there's many more to come. Thank you again, David, and it's time to level up. Loved what you just heard? Share it with another playmaker. And if you gain significant value from today's episode and genuinely feel that you have leveled up, would so appreciate if you gave us a five-star rating. For all of today's show notes, 
head over to playmakerspod.com where you can not only enjoy additional resources from this show, but all previous episodes as well. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you tune in from. And on a personal note, I'd love to connect one-to-one. Hit me up anytime on LinkedIn at Paul Epstein or Instagram at Paul Epstein Speaks. Playmakers is produced by Detroit Podcast Studios in collaboration with Purpose Labs. Wishing you a high impact week of action and purpose. See you next time on Playmakers.